are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Monday, and it is draft week. This is going to be a whole lot of fun because there's going to be draft news coming out. Trades can now get officially done starting at 11 a.m. Central Time today. So it's going to be a pretty busy week of NBA news. I'm excited. We're really going to dive into the draft more so than we already have been. First, we're going to lead off today's show talking about Drew Holiday, the latest updates there, what's going on, what to make of the situation too. James Harden, his, and his name has come up. That's a little kind of wild as well. And then we'll take a look at some second round prospects as we dive into everything in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So before Drew Holiday, the NBA draft is finally here and the Locked On Podcast Network is going to have live draft coverage this year on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch at Locked On Live. I'm also going to be live on my YouTube page. It's on um, Twitter if you want to go follow that link as well. And it's going to be the only place, the Locked On Live channel, where you can find Chad Ford, basically the goat of draft analysis, on the night of the draft. Join Chad, Brad, Roland of Locked On Hawks, and David Locke of Locked On Jazz and the head of the network for the most in-depth coverage of the NBA draft featuring analysis from Jeremy Wu of Sports Illustrated as well. Follow Locked On Live on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch and get alerts as soon as they go live. So the latest on Drew Holiday and you're seeing a lot of rumors go on out there. On Friday it came out that maybe the Celtics were interested in Drew Holiday and it still seems like the Nuggets are probably the front runners followed by the Miami Heat and then the Brooklyn Nets in some order there. A lot of this stuff that's going on out there is just a lot of smoke. I'm not going to say anyone is deliberately misleading anyone because I don't think that's the case, but a lot of this is that negotiating through the media and trying to drive up value through the media. So all of these leaks are things that you need to kind of look at and be like, who benefits the most out of this? Is this possibly coming from their camp? The answer is probably Yes, it is, including this one of Drew Holiday to the Boston Celtics. We haven't heard that yet before, and it seemingly kind of came out of nowhere, and it's maybe coming at a time when the Pelicans are struggling to find and get value for Drew Holiday from any of those teams that we just mentioned. I do think there is a lot of that, and I can tell you for a fact that a lot of that is going on right now. A Drew Holiday trade is not easy to do if you want to get like proper value back for him. You never get full value for superstars. For superstars, there we go. You then also don't get full value for other guys. You can sometimes get closer to full value for all of them, but I don't think that you. It, it's easy at a time like this when there's no real cap space out there, where all of these teams are looking to really try and win right now. And if you trade away a good player like that, Tyler Hero, for example, which the Miami Heat will not do, at least right now, then Drew Holiday doesn't become that much of an upgrade, and that is an issue in this sort of situation. At that point, I do think you should just keep Drew Holiday and not move on and not trade him if you're not going to get a, a decent offer for him. You don't just trade him to trade him just because he's expiring. You maybe then try and re-sign him. It's better than some crappy... Sh- stuff you get back, I guess. So all of that said, 
I think you're seeing a lot of negotiating through the media to try and drive up the value of Drew Holiday. It was rumored he could go to the Hawks for the sixth pick. That's a pretty good haul for Drew Holiday, right? And then that was quickly debunked by the Athletics beat writer for the Atlanta Hawks being like, that's not going to happen. That's not a realistic trade. Okay, then the leak about him being from the six, uh, being traded for the sixth pick is probably on the Pelican side of things. But now you're seeing kind of the counter of this. It's the, there's no secret the Nets would love Drew Holiday to pair with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. But now you're seeing some rumors out there that the Nets are looking to trade for James Harden of the Houston Rockets, and the deal is centered around all the pieces that would be coming back to New Orleans in a Drew Holiday trade. And that's no surprise because that's all the pieces and assets that they have. So if you can go out and get James Harden, why trade for Drew Holiday? Harden is better. Like, don't even try this with me. Don't try and be like, well, Holiday defends, Harden doesn't. Harden's actually been trying and has been much better on that side of the ball. But he's not as good as Drew Holiday, yes. But he is a far, 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 far better player. There's no doubt in my mind about that when it comes to James Harden and Drew Holiday. So if you can go out and get James Harden, why would you trade for Drew Holiday, right? Exactly. It's a bit of a problem. That, that What does that do? It drives down Drew Holiday's value and his asking price. And that is what we are probably most likely seeing going on right now. I also think some of this has to do with maybe James Harden wanting out and trying to telegraph some of his preferred destinations. Of course, he probably wants to go play on the Nets with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. So when you're seeing all of these rumors come out, don't don't react wildly to them. Because frankly, I don't think a lot of these really mean a whole lot as of today. The Pelicans, if they can get the right value for Drew Holiday, will do it. That has not changed whatsoever. But I don't know if the right value is out there right as of today. And I don't know if they'll make that move as of today. I think it becomes more likely that he is traded at some point. Just what is that time? I'm not exactly sure. But all of these things are rumors and designed to inflict damage upon another team to drive down the value of another player. All of that's going on right now. And the Pelicans are playing that game too by trying to increase the value of Drew Holiday. And so now we've just got to kind of wait and see because you can now make moves that uh, starting at 11 a.m. Central Time. That is when things are open. Trades are going to then get completed. We've seen the Lakers uh, agree to a deal with the Oklahoma City Thunder the other day. We just saw Woe tweet out something about the Nets and the Detroit Pistons. I don't know what the Pistons are doing with that one. Um, and this is going to be a lot of fun. Free agency is going to be very, very limited. So the trade market is going to be very, very active. So with that in mind, Set your alerts on for Woj, for Shams, for anyone else, because there's going to be a lot of stuff, I think, coming pretty soon. Before we get into all things second round here, what are the Pelicans going to do with their picks? Who should they be targeting in the second round? Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, period, full stop. It's really that simple. They come in amazing flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake, German chocolate, peanut butter. I could go on and on and on. Salted caramel is also a personal favorite. These things are like no bar you've ever had before. They are soft. They're easy to chew. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. You're going to think you're eating a candy bar, not a protein bar. Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high in protein, high in fiber. They have some that have 19 grams of protein and 180 calories, or 17 grams of protein and just 130 calories. You're not going to waste all that cardio that you just did by eating one of these things. So if you want to try Built Bars, go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON. You're going to get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. 
Don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. It's draft week. You don't want to miss a show. Make sure you're listening to everything this week. Best way to do that, subscribe so you never miss an episode. Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcasts. So before we go into some second round picks that I think the Pelicans are likely going to be looking at, let's take a look at the roster really quickly. You can hold 15 players on your roster during the regular season, not counting the two-way guys. 13 of those players are active players. And when you look at the Pelicans roster, it's already getting a little bit crowded. Under contract going into next year, as of like the second that I'm recording this, you have Drew Holiday, J.J. Redick, Zion Williamson, Lonzo Ball, Jackson Hayes, Nicolo Melli, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and Josh Hart. It's already eight guys, so about half your roster is already filled up. Let's say they re-sign Derek Favors and then bring back Brandon Ingram, obviously. That's another 10 guys right there that you've got on your roster total. So you've got 50, uh, five roster spots. One of those spots is going to be filled up with the first round pick, the 13th overall pick in the draft. So you're at 11 now. So you've got four roster spots to try and fill out. I think it's safe to say that Sundarius Thornwell won't get brought back unless it's at the last minute and they need to round out the roster. Kenrich Williams is a bit of an interesting one. I'm not really sure what they're going to do there. Frank Jackson, Jalil Okafor, at least seem to be, Okafor seems to be on his way out. Frank Jackson, depending on how free agency could play out for him, I could see it going either way. Etwan Moore is kind of on the fence on whether they need to bring him back or not. And all of this could change depending on what gets done with the Drew Holiday trade. But so after your first round pick, you've got four roster spots left, but you've got three picks in the second round. You can do some draft and stash with those guys. They can dra- You could draft them. They can play in the G League and never play for the team. So they're not on the active roster. You still retain their rights, so on and so forth. The Pelicans might go that route, but I do think the obvious move for them is to try and package some of those second round picks and maybe move up into maybe the late first if you're capable of doing that, or maybe just moving up in the second round to try and just not carry three second round picks going forward. I don't know if that does a whole lot of good for New Orleans whatsoever. So maybe they try and trade up into 31, 32, 33, 34, 35 range because right now they've got picks 39, 42, and 60. 60 doesn't even matter, and I don't know if that has a whole lot of value in the draft whatsoever, um, but it's still those the 39 and 42, you could probably package those to move up. This is something that Del Demps had done a lot in selecting Frank Jackson and Chuck Diallo, moving, combining two second round picks to move up and just get a guy. There's kind of a bit of a blueprint you do want to follow in a move like that. And I think that they did this well under um, Del Demps. It's basically move up for a, bl- a former blue chip guy, a five-star guy coming out of high school that maybe didn't have the best year in college or spent two years in college and is then entering the draft. Still young and had a ton of potential and maybe just wasn't able to realize it due to circumstances or injuries in his uh, time in college. You tend to, that's why you tend to see a lot of older guys go in the, in the second round because you're not really looking for freshmen there because if they were good enough to come out, they would have gone in the first round. But you can at least kind of take a flyer on guys like that. And there's a couple that I have in mind. So coming up in the next segment here, let's take a look at some guys I think the Pelicans should be targeting to some degree in the second round. Don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. No paywall, just basketball talk five days a week. No one else coming to you like this. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 
Okay, so the second round, we just talked about how the Pelicans have three picks at 39, 42, and 60. The second round is often a crapshoot. Everyone's going for like a Draymond Green. You rarely find those type of guys. I don't put a ton of value into second round picks. It's worth taking a a flyer on a guy if you have the roster spot, but if that roster spot's better used like on anything else, I, I don't really worry too much about second round picks they're great stories when they work out and you're like oh my god you can get some really good players there it it rarely happens so i don't do put a ton of stock into the second round and how things could go that said there's a couple of guys i do like that i think the pelicans should look to try and target and again i think you try and go with those guys who are younger i don't think you want to take a senior or junior or anything like that in the second round whatsoever i think you want to go sophomore or younger freshman um and then just hope it works out maybe no one's high on the freshman because they didn't have a good year and They fell, but you may as well kick the tires on this to some degree. And I think that's what the Pelicans should be doing here. And if they try and move up, I wouldn't be shocked if that's what they end up doing. This is for an end of bench guy that can likely just be a G League player or get a lot of just experience by practice and all of that and doesn't necessarily need to be in a game during all of this. So the first name that I think kind of comes to mind is out of the Pac-12 in Arizona, and that's Nico Mannion. This is a guy that on many mock drafts and draft boards has been in the first round, but I think he is falling a little bit. He was somewhat inconsistent and just not all that exciting, I think, in his lone year at Arizona. 32 games played, 32 minutes per game. He averaged 14 points per game, 2.5 rebounds, 5.3 assists, 1.5 two steals and he shot very poorly from the field 39.2 percent and pretty badly from three 32.7 percent it's not badly but not great and about 80 percent from the free throw line he's 6-3 and 19 years old so there's pretty decent size there and he's young and in the second round go for it this is a guy that was a, a top prospect going in and has in a very couple of exciting mixtapes showing what he's capable of doing But if he starts to fall in the draft, he's at least a guy in the second round that has a bunch of upside, and I think that's kind of what you're looking for. He's a playmaker. I think that's the biggest thing. You can see it in the 5.3 assists, and his ceiling is probably backup point guard, a guy that can go in there and is just steady enough to kind of do some things offensively. But he's limited to, at least offensively, he reminds you a lot of... Lonzo Ball in the fact that he's not aggressive, isn't a particularly great score in the half court, can run in transition, but he can at least pass the ball and keep things moving. And he doesn't really turn the ball over. I think that is what's one of the biggest things for him. You can give a guy like that some minutes as long as he's not out there turning the ball over constantly. That was Nikhil's problem. You put him out there and he'd kill you with a, uh, with a turnover or two. I don't know if you need to worry about that here um, with with Mannion in the second round. And so if he's available, taking a, a flyer on a guy that's got the upside like that, yeah, I think that's good. His three-point shot wasn't great, but it should be, it should look like it should translate to the NBA level. So I expect him to be 35% plus for his career. It's not amazing. It's not bad. There's potential for it to be higher there too. The mechanics are good though. The free throw stroke is there. Those are kind of what you're looking for when it comes to that sort of thing. Um, And then he definitely needs to work on trying to score. That would scare me off of him a little bit. Do we need another guard on this team in the vein of Lonzo Ball when none of us are particularly sold on Lonzo Ball in the first place? And if you're not sold on Lonzo Ball, why go for a guy, right? So I think that's a big concern about him. That's probably the biggest one. But you know what? The upside's there, and I think that's kind of what you're looking for in the second round. 
Another second round prospect that I like that I think the Pelicans are probably looking at is Robert Woodard II out of Mississippi State. On the surface, there's the, you're going to look at this guy and be like, what the hell when you look at his numbers? 11.4 points per game. That was fourth on that Mississippi State team last season as a sophomore. He never left state. He's from Mississippi, so he doesn't really have that kind of name around the country of people who are really well aware of him. And when you look at the points per game, yeah, it's pretty bad. But there is a decent three-point percentage in college. I don't think he's going to be as good of an NBA three-point shooter at 43% last season. And when you look at this kid's athleticism and how well he works off the ball, it's a second-round pick that if you need a dude to pick up some minutes at the wing, you could probably do worse than Robert Woodard II. He cuts well and moves well without the ball, and that's where his scoring strengths are. He's not good in one-on-one. He's not a good shooter, probably. And the second you contest him a little bit, it freaks him out for some reason and he wants to pass up the ball. So you're never going to see this dude take over a game or have a quarter where he makes like four four straight threes and you kind of lose your mind. He's just not going to be that guy. But someone who has the ability to cut and finish well around the rim in a motion-based offense, what we should see more of from the Pelicans in the half court this coming season. Yeah, I think he could fit. He's 6'7 with a 7'1", 7'2", wingspan. So he's got great size. He's very agile. The first step is there. He's got good leap ability and a good jump. I like all of that in an off-ball wing player who, by the way, is a good defender, giving up 0.67 points per possession in one-on-one defending situations. With that size, you can guard multiple positions. He can play in the front court. He can get thrown out there in the back court, guarding a two guard a little bit here and there. And he's going to give you just enough. He averaged 6.5 rebounds per game too. So he's going to give you some help on the boards. With that wingspan, you should see some blocks out of him too. The upside in terms of a score isn't there. He's very, very limited and maybe more of a defensive specialist. I don't even really trust him in spot-up shooting situations. So you're probably playing some four on five with him offensively if you're going with a slow half court set, but he cuts well. And I like a guy who can just move without the ball. And if you get him the ball on his way to the basket, he can at least finish at the rim. And if he gives you a couple of those plays and breaks down a defense a little bit that way with backdoor cuts, what have you. Yeah, I think that stuff can really work. So taking a flyer on him, just a dude with massive um, agility and physical gifts in the second round who can at least slot into your offense for five minutes here and there. I don't hate that as a second round pick. And finally, another guy I think the Pelicans are probably looking at in the second round is Cassius Stanley out of Duke. Freshman shooting guard who is 6'6", 6'6 6'6 6'6.5", with a 6'7 wingspan. So very good size, very strong athleticism. I think he put up one of the highest verticals at the NBA Combine, even though those numbers weren't necessarily the most um, trustworthy numbers from some of the stuff that we saw. 12.6 points per game last season, five rebounds, one assist, shot just 36% from three-point, 47.4% from the field overall. This is just kind of one of those dudes who's a high flyer. He's very good at attacking the basket, finishing at the rim, being an alley-oop threat from the two-guard in the wing position too, at least in college, maybe not so much at the NBA level, but it's just one of those guys. Freshman out of Duke, you kind of trust that a little bit, who has unbelievable Unbelievable physical tools, and that looks to have at least some pretty high upside, I think, in the NBA. And that's kind of what you're looking for. 
He gets out and runs in transition, and he can score that way very, very easily. So the fact that the Pelicans are still going to run, I think, is kind of what you're looking for in a guy, too. You want someone who can kind of fit in that. He finds those lanes and then goes. The problem with him is he's just inconsistent on the offensive end. Yes, he likes to drive and attack and be a threat that way, but he's going to need to add some weight on if he wants to finish at the NBA level, if he wants to do that regularly. And he's not a very good shooter. He's a below average um, free throw shooter too, which is definitely going to be a concern for guard shooting 73%, not what you want. But if they can improve that shooting form, and I don't think he's going to be a great NBA three-point shooter either. But... If you've got Fred Vincent that can work with him on that and increase that a couple of ticks and increase that percentage just a little bit, he looks to be more serviceable. It's a guy who's going to take a long time to maybe come around to being a quality NBA rotation player at best, but he kind of fits that. That score method, that athletic freak who's willing to get out there and finish lobs and run and try and score, there's a use for guys like that. He won't see NBA minutes next season, probably not really the season after that. But it's a guy with upside in the second round. He's young. All of that's there. I think that's kind of what you're looking for. I think he's a bit of an underrated defender, though not great, and maybe can grow into that role. But again, it's the second round. What are you really looking for, right? So there you go. Three prospects in the second round I think the Pelicans could be looking at. Now we wait. Trades? No trades. Draft night on Wednesday. It's all coming fast. Don't forget, I'm going to be live on YouTube as well. That link is on Twitter right now. If you want to come join and hang out while we just all watch the draft together, it's going to be a lot of fun. And that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I'll be back with you all tomorrow.